Hello and welcome to the Options Trading Podcast. My name is Ivan Trilov and I'm the Managing Director of Tradefloor. And with me today, I have James Whelan from VFS Group. Welcome back, James. Thank you, Ivan. Always fantastic to be here. Of course it is. Now, today we're going to be talking specifically about the budget, um, well, mostly about the budget, and how it's going to uh, play out over the next couple of weeks, months, years, and so on. Yeah, I think it's going to be longer than a few weeks. <laughs> well, the markets do start preempting things pretty quickly. So, um, overall, um, if you looked at the media this morning, there was a lot of uh, negativity. It's not, it's not oh, I know, uh, th- this is the thing with budgets, isn't it? And I've been watching these now for almost my entire life when I was, I was raised up and I, I don't mind the sneaky Monday, Tuesday night. Stay up with it and sort of see the coverage has gotten longer and longer on everything that they're doing. This um, jokingly said this is probably the best labour budget that has ever been delivered. Uh, uh, th- th- look, it's a, it's, it's a big slugging. Obviously, first and foremost, let's get straight to it is the tax on the banks. Yeah. You, you know, you can't avoid this. Um, it's a $6.2 billion tax on the big four plus Macquarie. Correct. So we're going to call it, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are, who are sort of happy to see Macquarie included in that one. <laughs> um, you know, the big four banks and, <laughs> and Macquarie. Yes! <laughs> uh, on there. So, you know, it's, it's obviously it's an impact on the big four and Macquarie. Um, and and I we've been focusing strongly on what it, what it means to the rest of the market. Not necessarily negative. So there's a lot of positives in there. Uh, well, positives exactly in there too. To the market today. I mean, you look at you look at by about two o'clock, um, all of the major stocks, um, at least the ones that have options over them, yep. we're pretty much up. Save uh, CSR that released some. Uh, yeah, we're going to skip today. Yeah, skip but, CSR for today, mate. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's obviously an animality. But the rest of the market is strongly up. Yeah. Um, and it bounced, I think, I think it opened down 20. Yeah, it, anyway, it, and it, was, it, it was up 40. It didn't seem great. Down. Yeah. Your view is um, it, it's, it is going to be an important tax, um, an important levy. It's significant. It's significant. But they're already all saying that they're going to pass it on to consumers. Well, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a matter of, uh, look, and going through last night, and when we had, we had a few strategy sessions last night, and the, the fund, I mean, we've got to be up overnight dealing with what we're dealing with, and... And we were following this one, just seeing, and it was a basic thing, right? When banks get slugged with a an increase in anything to to, to the top line, um, they've got to pass it through to either. Okay, they've got two choices: pass it through or eat it. Mm. So, either way, do you really want to be an investor in that particular company when they're going to do one of those things? And what's the significant part for us is that it's not so much that they're going to pass it through. But it's that the big four are the only ones affected by this. Mm. So we've looked straight at the regional banks. The first mm. thing that we did is look straight at the regional banks and go, they're excluded from this. Mm. They're, they're in the prime position to be able to pick up so, so many more customers from this mm. um, and not have to pay this hefty tax. So either they don't have to eat it and they don't have to pass it on, they're actually going to get more customers out of it um, and... We've looked at valuations and I don't want to go too far into fundamentals on the whole thing because it's not good radio, but it like at a, at a, at a relative basis, if you had to invest in a, in, a, in a finance company, in a bank in Australia, we've looked at the regionals and like it seems like a free kick to us. And so specifically, which regionals are we talking about? First and foremost, I mean, the one that stood out for us and, and we've been accumulating it over the last few weeks, in fact, little bits and pieces on it is Bendigo. 
And originally we were just accumulating it on just relative valuation. Um, it's X, the big four. The big four looked really toppy. Uh, but just on a simple, like I said, don't want to go too far into the, into, into the fundamentals on it, but just on a price-to-book ratio, something like Bendigo was trading at, at more than half the ratio of, mm. of something like Commonwealth Bank. It was trading over over two times price book. Mm. Um, Bendigo was trading, I think, at one point one point oh six this morning. Mm. We, when we when we really charged in as hard as we could on that, and we're talking about the weight of money in funds and funds management on these things. Imagine there's only six banks that you can invest in. Mm. So the big four, uh, Bank of Queensland, and Bendigo Bank. Macquarie I exclude because I treat Macquarie like a hedge fund, like mm-hmm. a fund, like a global fund manager. So we're going to X them from this one. So whilst they're paying the tax, they're actually excluded from this choice. So you've got six big banks that you can actually invest in as a, as, as a fund. Four of them you're going to exclude because you don't, A, know how much this tax is really going to affect them uh, and how much they're going to pass through and what they're going to do and how it's actually going to affect their customer bases. Uh, and... B, because it's actually happening. Mm. Um, so you take those things out, basically you're left with two companies, Bank of Queensland or Bendigo. Bank of Queensland is too leveraged to Queensland. You get some sort of event every year and it's also Queensland. I'll take Bendigo every day. Mm. I do wonder though, I mean, we are talking about 0.006%. Now, that early indications, uh, UBS analysts suggest that it's 5% of their net profit overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, I mean... Fundamentally, the the message from the government's always been, and RBA and APRA in particular, that our banks are strong, um, that they're not over over leveraged, um, and as a result, would you really just discount getting to CBA or ANZ or NAB or Westpac just because of a six basis point levy, which they may or may not over to the consumers like we said even if they don't they've still got to eat it and they've still got to eat the tax and 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 one way or the other it's got to be passed through and i'll go back to a lot of what i've talked about for for a very long time that we're the most indebted personally indebted country in the world um as a as a proportion of gdp Uh, little bits and pieces of increases to our variable loan especially since now it's not like it was in the 80s or the 90s where you know what, I'm stuck with this bank and this is who I'm going to be with for the next 30 years of my life. If I want to move, I'll just move somewhere else. Mm. Um, and it's very easy to do, especially if we're talking about 10 or 20 basis points that they're going to pass on that one of the other banks isn't actually passing on. And I know that these banks are strong. They're, uh, we, we know that they're strong. And also, let's not forget, the, the big banks, they've been protected by the government. They've basically been not funded by the government, but they know that they've got this government guarantee behind them and it's time for them to start paying for it. So if I want to move, then I'm going to move, okay? That's 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 the way of the world. So they're going to pass it through. Now, the, the numbers that I'm looking through here, I mean, Business Insider has, they're going to see a, a profit erosion of anywhere between 2.5 and 6% um, with regards to a return on equity. Uh, I, I'm looking at more things. The lenders would need to, according to CLSA and Deutsche Bank, the lenders would need to raise their rates by 14 basis points or more. I wonder how they came up with that number. So if they're getting six basis points... Oh, mate, I'm not going into the Deutsche Bank spreadsheets. You know that's <laughs> going to be... Uh, it, 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 look... Just probably got trillions of dollars of notional debt and derivatives on it. The, the, but but also uh, more that more that I, I think that... And we'll, we'll, we'll pull this up if, if you want to go and pull it up of... Uh, 
that the banks don't actually really know how much it's going to affect them with regards to a tax on liabilities. So I think you should, what you should be looking at is, yeah, what's the net liability position of these things? Because it's anybody over $100 million, wasn't it? Was it was a tax? Yeah. yeah. Which is why I don't name tax the top four, big four. And five. And, then and the Macquarie, yeah. like I said. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, but then the statement that came out from, uh, was it Westpac or NAB? The statement that came out this morning was, we're not like, is it tier two? What is it? Is it the hybrid debt that we've got, bond issuance or anything that's uh, that's there? And it was more just the unknown. And when it comes to an unknown, I'm not saying sell the banks. I'm just saying if you've made so much money buying the banks and you're a super fund, every super fund in Australia, you're holding these banks, why not have a bit of a rotation into the regionals just on a valuation basis? But that's it. So, and especially since, you know, these options are, you know, beautifully cheap and you can put together a beautiful mm-hmm. option strategy uh, in Bendigo Bank right now. It's it's better for, for, for what we do and sometimes in the fund um, to, to do to do a strategy just based on the options market and, and coming out of the options market. Also, sometimes just to protect a portfolio, we'll, we'll buy the stock and, and buy the put next to it, um, wait for, you know, touch wood, the, uh, the stock to rise, which more often than not it does, and then mm-hmm. sell the call over the top of it that pays for the put. It's a very simple strategy. Take the dividend, take the franking credits. Um, hopefully, you get exercised on the stock. So you make the you make the capital return on the stock, and you also make the the, the money through the dividends mm-hmm. and the franking credits on the top. Move on to the next thing and see how you go. And and the banks are fantastic for that for that mm-hmm. sort of trade. Right now, Bendigo is is well. When we started going into it last week, for some of our clients that wanted that protection on the downside, buy the stock by the put, mm. a little bit below where you, where, where you entered, um, wait for it to rise, and it's risen today, what is it, four point something percent today? Um, you know, at some stage, sell the call, and you'll be able to sell the call, you know, at a beautiful premium, definitely gonna offset the put that you've paid a couple of days ago. That's it. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that is that if the stock does go completely the wrong way, your put completely protects your... Uh, and you protect it on the downside. Stock, That's right, which is great for super funds. Exactly. So no matter what happens, yep. And, uh, but this is uh, – so you trade uh, – okay, you're going to cap some of the upside mm. by selling the call over the top. If you get exercised – and the stock – if the stock moves 20% and you get exercised at 10 or 15%, uh, you're limiting your upside. But it means that you can sleep at night and super fund clients absolutely love that. Mm. They know that they're not going to get GFC'd. They're not – GFC'd. Oh, we, oh, look, <laughs> every, every single client that I have has at some stage been GFC'd. Yep. Um, on this one and it's that wow the world just ended and I woke up from a beautiful sleep and, I, and, and here I am and I'm looking at nothing but red screens mm-hmm. um, and it, what we structure for people is, is this beautiful portfolio that is always protected on the downside mm-hmm. at least to some extent that okay you're only going to lose maybe 5% mm-hmm. it won't be 50 mm-hmm. so there's this whole fallacy about options um, because of the public blow-ups with options uh, this this nature of people as soon as they hear options they go oh my god everybody blows up a speculator or yeah, you know correct. putting something together which yeah. is you know if you do it smart yes that 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 will work beautifully but at a basic level for for anyone at all mm-hmm. just use them to to protect your portfolio to protect your downside yeah. and and it's like. What did I used to say? Uh, I, I would say it to some clients. I'd say, so you have life insurance and you have a fire detector. Um, why not just buy a put option next to this massive bank position that you've got? 
And just, look, if you lose the money, then so be it. Um, but You do it for your house. You do it, you for, do your it for your house, your you do it for your life, you do it for your kids and your car. Yeah. You have to do it for all these things. Why not do it for your, like, this is your nest egg, this is your retirement fund. Mm. And they're there. It's, anyway. I agree. Now, one question to you uh, about the uh, budget. Mm. More of a political question, obviously, you know. Uh, you've pulled me into a room and put a microphone in front uh, of me and now uh, you're going to ask me a political <laughs> question. Go. Maybe. Um, what do you reckon the rationale for Turnbull was to deliver this budget when, when him and Morrison were in a room? Was it to really shut down Shorten? Was it a political play to get a little bit more cred? The, the commentary... The you look at the commentary that came in after it and a lot of people were saying that, that the bits and pieces that he did were to sweep away the last of what Abbott had put in. And reset was a, was a term that Morrison used. Reset. B- budget reset. A budget reset after the budget emergency of a few years ago uh, or whatever it was and, and, and disaster after disaster that was, uh, that was going on through there. Okay, great. They've swept him away. Abbott is still a threat to the, to the Turnbull government and, and there are still various factions that would, that would see him back as Prime Minister. Um, and so that is a risk. Turnbull has not been as amazing as everyone probably backed him to be when uh, when they got behind to do it. He's managed to let's go back. He had a healthy majority, called an election, and only has a, a, a slender majority. He's got no massive mandate to do anything. So this is a move more to the more to the centre than even I thought possible on this and, and jokingly some people have called it the best labour <laughs> budget that's, that's been handed down. There's, um, you know, there's bits and pieces in there, obviously the you know, things on NDIS and, and Medicare protection that's in there. Um, yeah, they're very labour-esque, aren't they? That's absolutely. And, and, yeah. and there's nothing that labour can say on this. Like, remember how you said that, that, that you know, the Medicare campaign that went just before the election? Okay, we've just taken that away. That's now gone. You can't do that again. Because because we've got a guarantee fund in place for Medicare, uh, and, and and it's an amazing move to the left. What they risk doing? Okay, now how this relates to markets? Obviously, I could probably draw a line to this one, and you know, if we have the time, then we will do so. Um, Turnbull Turnbull moves to the left. Great, take some of the polling. Some fantastic things uh, happen when you do that, but it's only ever temporary because when you do that, you leave your right flank open. And then the Bernardis and the One Nations of the world suddenly rise up, and then you have, uh, and this is what's this is what happens. If you have mm. someone on the right that moves to the left, you leave your right open, and, and conservatives feel disillusioned and they start to rise up. So potentially see a bit more instability in that. Um, I I drew a lot of pictures with regard to what the construction of the Senate was when it was elected, about how backwards the Senate was, and 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 how our Look, and it was a reason for instability in Australia that mm. when you have a Senate that is so not, not disparate, diverse, I was going to say, uh, that, that you can't get anything through, you can't get anything done. And that was the reason for the last election. The last election just made it even worse. Mm. Um, and, and then you're left with, you know, something like, something like we've got now where, okay, so you've got what should be a Conservative Party moving right into the centre... You've got your right flank open to someone else. You've got a Senate that is still a bit of a basket case. Um, okay, so but our AAA rating is great. Uh, I still see no reason to, to, to buy the Aussie dollar. Mm-hmm. And our housing market is still the, the key thing 
on at the front of everyone's mind is our housing market. Did they fix it last night? There's no silver bullet. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it. No. But yeah. Yeah. My, my my wife is my wife is my beautiful like barometer thermometer. Um, uh, just 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 beautiful temperate gauge on on the budget, and I. I have to force her to watch it. Uh, unfortunately, she's not she's not that interested in these things, which is why I get her to do these things. Because when you're in when you're in markets and when you're in stockbroking, you find that you're so surrounded by it that every single thing you sort of you, you read into it, you see too far, you read into it way too much. Um, you see stock picks and you see okay, how is this going to affect it? When it comes to this sort of you know countrywide policies and things like that, it's unless people are actually buying or selling a certain thing, it doesn't really matter. So you put her in front of it. She only yelled at the TV twice <laughs> during the budget delivery last night. The, 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 the first thing that she yelled was when Morrison said that he was uh, going to allow people uh, to uh, lower tax on the super funds uh, mm-hmm. to, to add a savings and then they'd be able to use that uh, or have an account to be able to save for to, uh, to, to buy their first home. And my wife, she yelled out, that will only add to the price of that property, which is right. Any time that you that you that you help out the buy side in the home market, it just adds to the price. Mm. First home buyer grant was seven grand. All yep. of a sudden, seven grand gets added onto yep. onto everything. It doesn't matter what you do. If you try and fix the buy side problem, it's just going to get added to the price uh, the price of the thing. And the other thing that she said was was towards the end, um, after he said, you know, this is you know, and I and I and I commend this budget to the house. Uh, and my wife just said, well, there wasn't a single thing in there for us. We're going to be carrying the burden on this entire thing once again. <laughs> Every single thing that happens is we get taxed more and we don't get anything back to do it. Middle Australia, and I'm Middle Australia. I'm not top end. I'm Middle Australia. We've got to carry the burden for everybody else. Come on, mate. You live, you live in a great suburb in a house. Yeah, I know. Well, the house, the house increases in value, but only because they keep trying to fix the buy side problem and not the sell side problem. The funny thing problem. is everybody always thinks they're in Middle Australia. Unless, of course, you know, you're published in the top 100. I'm happy being middle Australia. But I think so it makes me a bit... I think that being... That, that keeping your feet on the ground definitely helps you being a better, uh, a better investor, mm. a better stockbroker, better someone, because you actually do feel the ins and outs mm. and the pains and things that are going on. Mm. In terms of infrastructure spend, that was a big... That, I mean, this is how Morrison, I think always positioned to sell it it's um that big infrastructure spending and blah 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 um 20 million dollars was uh provided 20 mil 20 million million 20 million go on to uh create cost proposals business cases for building a high speed rail how high was it a high speed how high speed i mean uh, come on that's that's what the 20 million dollars is going to tell us yeah <laughs> 20 mil, you need more than 20 mil to build a high-speed rail mode. come on. No, 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 to put a business case together. Oh, okay. That's right. the thing. So there will be further funds allocated and supposedly there's room for it. But then on the flip side, our budget ceiling got increased. I'm not, I'm not running the party line on this one. I mean, it's obviously... Apparently they're not spending anything more than they, than they need to. I think that... Rail, uh, rail, rail is important. Rail helps. Rail helps housing. Rail helps the country. And you know what? If you want to do a thing that's just going to make a whole heap of jobs, do the thing that's just going to make a whole heap of jobs. And you've got, 
and when I say government money, I mean taxpayer money, taxpayer money to build a thing that is going to build a thing and actually create something, mm. great, and it's going to help people working. And I do honestly believe that people working is the best way to grow an economy, that you've got to have people who are out mm. with jobs, doing stuff, meeting people, having drinks after work, having kids. That's buying stuff, buying a house in the suburbs, building. That's, that's how economies are built. Um, the avocado smash crowd probably will disagree <laughs> with me on this one. And you know what? I'm happy to converse. Uh, you know what? Call me. Seriously. Send me, send me a note on this one because I'll disagree with you every day. But people getting together, people hooking up, getting together, having kids, moving out to the suburbs, buying a house, filling it with stuff and stuff, you know, couches, furnitures, chairs, mm. tables, TVs, that's the backbone of the economy. Provided all that stuff is coming from somewhere and it's actually coming from a job and earnings mm. and you're going into a little bit of debt, not too much debt, just enough debt to keep you, to keep you honest, to keep you working, to keep you going, you know, to make sure that you get up in the morning and do stuff. And that's what economies are based on. And I, that's I, what I get the, the economic argument, but at the same time, we are going to face a government debt problem in Australia in the next 10 years. Well, you know, apparently debt's not really such a bad situation. Until war breaks out. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, you called nuclear war the other day. So. No, I said that we avoided <laughs> nuclear war and that the market rallied off the back of non-nuclear war, which is which is still the case. And, and it's still going... completely disappeared? Yeah. <laughs> Only a month ago. From one month to the next, from is one it? month to the next, I was in Hong Kong yep. talking to Bloomberg there the day, the morning after the the... The US had moved the USS Carl Vincent off the Korean Peninsula and the world was on the brink of a situation. They'd done something in Syria. Things had been going on. It was it was potential disaster. And now a month later... We're talking and, about the budget. And, yeah, we're talking about the budget, but we're talking about, okay, everything's stable. But, but look, at, look, at, look at the VIX. The VIX is the VIX has dropped below, and we and we spoke about the VIX last month, or, or you know, a, mm. a few weeks ago. It's you know, yesterday it was where it was in 1993. It dropped back below. It dropped back below 10. Again, the world is okay. Although the uh, the trade flow volatility measure is a little bit higher. Now, do you want to pull that up? Uh, oh, it's it's sitting at about 12 today. One thing I want to chat to you a little bit away from the budget. Um, uh, tell me about your fund. So you're launching a fund. Uh, it's you've, launched. You've mentioned your fund. I mean, it's launched. It's, it's well and truly launched. Yep. Uh, it is. It is what we would call a, a global macro fund. Uh, trades either for you know high net wealth uh, individuals to to retail on a discretionary basis, like any. It, it's it's effectively the uh, the access to a hedge fund, mm-hmm. but at a retail level for a regular mum and dad take a super fun client they, they could access it that's fantastic which is yeah which is good and and we've you know we've you know we picked the brain we've got access to to, to, to someone who's who's effectively duplicating the trades uh of 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 a beautiful hedge fund that has done very very well and will you know touching wood continue to do well mm-hmm. but the decisions are sound but you do know where the need for this came from is the number of clients that came to us and said okay i want to invest in australia and we and we were set and we're like Australia was so and is so overstretched on their valuations and, like, what are you going to buy? The diversity of Australia is, is what are the two things? 
What's a, what's the Australian financial? What is the ASX made up of? Banks and BHP and Rio. There you go. Banks and miners. That's yep. it. What if you want tech stock? Tech um, stock. You want a global? You, you want a tech stock, right? I I, I could. No, you I would right. struggle naming yeah. three. Okay. Stocks. So tech stocks in Australia. That's where it came from. And so okay, so we want to get it. We want to get our guys and our clients. We want to be able to 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 have mm. them able to access. So global macro fund minimum investment. Uh, it depends on what sort of access you want to it. Um, simple stock on the whole thing, you know, eighty to one hundred grand. Um, someone who wants to actually be in uh, on a discretionary basis, like it is being treated like a fund, like it is a hedge fund, long short, um, overnight, and and we do go overnight on this stuff. Um, it's it's about one hundred, one hundred and fifty. What know. what kind of returns are you aiming for? We're aiming for about twenty percent. Right, so it's relatively. Um, higher on the risk scale um we'll take things what we'll do is obviously we won't be too diverse on anything that we're doing and mm-hmm. we're not too diverse on anything that we're doing we'll take a few big positions mm-hmm. when the time is right so a lot of the time there's nothing going on yep but then okay what were our biggest events last year uh, you know running running the fund unofficially that we had brexit and trump but also the italian election Mm. that was in there too mm. um, this year we've had the French election too and, and we just wait for those events and it's just mm. take an event, wait for it it's either a buying or a selling opportunity obviously everything has been a buying opportunity but uh, what's one of the, uh, one, of the, one of the key trades that we've, going, uh, that we've had going on now is just in European banks and that's been a very simple trade for us, for us now we're unhedged, we're buying euros uh, we're buying banks we're exposed to I won't give any specific stock names. If if, if they want to know them, then send me mm. a link on these ones. But Italian banks, French banks, um, they are cheaper on a valuation basis, but also that they're just under-owned by global mm. funds. And US banks have had such a beautiful run post the Trump rally that mm. money needs to switch into somewhere else. And also the other reason is that with rising interest rates, as they are rising, that yield curve goes up and banks make more money for doing nothing. On in a in a steepening yield curve yield curve environment, um, and for us that's another free kick uh, on that, and that's why we're going into that. And what's good about being an investor from Australia is that you can invest overseas, so you can invest in Europe, and buy the stock. And even if the stock does nothing, we still see upside from just owning euros. Mm. So you're invested in euros, and you you do actually own the stock. You actually own the stock in. European terms, so in in euro, which means that you're short the Aussie uh, and long euros or mm. long pounds. We're invested in in England as well mm. in in the, in the British market, um, and on a relative basis, when you convert that back, when it is time to sell, um, provided the euro's gone up and the pound's gone up, which we predict it will, uh, then there's you know there's there's upside in that too. So you're not only making money on the on the, on the stock increase, but also on the on the currency appreciation too we mm. see no reason to be owning the aussie dollar here it's, you know this is fantastic but on a relative basis the aussie with a chinese contraction in their credit uh, credit growth coming back down or you know coming back below zero uh, percent of gdp uh, and we've seen as it related to the metal price and the oil price take your pick australia's we are a commodity currency there's no reason to be owning the aussie dollar on this one mm. um, so why not own foreign currency I think it's very sound, and with the way that um, Australian investors are typically diversified, because we're a very Australian equity heavy 
Um, Especially if you can't own the big four banks or Macquarie Bank. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the big four banks right now. Uh, and look, if you've got to own a bank, you've got to own a financial company, it should be easy to just own a European one as opposed to just defaulting to the big four banks mm. in Australia. It's too simple. And there is still a dividend yield, although without franking credits, there is still a dividend yield that comes out of these European banks, mm. which is almost the equivalent of the Australian ones that you get. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, we're not the only uh, country paying dividends. That's right. Um, a final question for you, again, how to get into contact with you. Well, we have uh, uh, the email address of GMF, that's Golf Mike Foxtrot at uh, vfsgroup.com.au. Uh, if an email goes through into that direction, then uh, we will absolutely be able to pick it up and help anyone with any questions that they've got. And that's obviously not just go, uh, an interest in the global macro fund, that's also stockbroking inquiries um, and other services that you offer of which there's a long list which for the purposes of this i'll pick it up and i'll be able to help you with any direction that you've got in the vfs uh, in the vfs circle which includes financial planning tax estate planning Accounting. tax administration you want to set up a super fund if you set up a self-managed yeah. super fund talk to us we can be able to get you it's all end to end that's right it's fantastic all the way through well, James, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, it's been very insightful having your feedback on the budget. I always love being here, Ivan. Thank you for asking me. We will be back next week. Uh, Graham will rejoin me and we will be going back to our Monday slot. Um, and we've got an exciting guest and we'll talk about some other things happening in the market. Uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>